Good morning, everyone. Hi, my name is John. I serve as the uh, executive pastor here at Access, and I'm so glad you're joining us today. Several weeks ago, uh, something happened at a fast food restaurant that kind of really caught my attention and stayed with me. Uh, a customer was going through the drive through line, but then stopped in the parking lot in their SUV because something had gotten kind of lodged underneath their car. And I watched as an employee uh, got down um, face first on the ground and um, tried to get this thing dislodged in 90 degree plus weather in the Houston humidity and heat. Um, and all of this was happening while the customer sat in the front seat of the car with their air conditioning on. Um, you know, and it took multiple attempts because the thing was really, really stuck underneath there. And I remember thinking to myself, man, that's really impressive. That is a commitment to service. And I imagine that at the end of this exchange, you know, I couldn't hear the conversation, of course, but I imagine that the customer must have been really grateful and said to the employee, you know, hey, thank you so much. I really appreciate your help. And I'm sure the customer responded, my pleasure. Can you guess where this happened? That's right, Chick-fil-A. Those of you who are uh, fans of their fried nuggets and waffle fries know that Chick-fil-A is not only well-known for their food, they're really well-known for this culture of joyful service. Now, over the last several weeks, uh, we have been in a series called Waves and Anchors, where we're reflecting on our church's vision, mission, and values. And we're looking at things that anchor us as a community as we face the tidal waves of change and uncertainty. So last week, Pastor Ted talked about our value. We receive people as they are. Well, today, I'll be wrapping up our series by looking at our core value, we commit to joyful service. And my hope is simple today. My hope is that you and I, each of us, would feel encouraged, maybe inspired, maybe challenged to commit ourselves to a life of joyful service. So why is this important? Well, there's two reasons. The first reason is this. Have you ever been asked to do something like to serve or to volunteer uh, for an opportunity on a committee or a board uh, for your school at work to do some sort of task and internally you didn't really want to, but you felt like you had no choice but to say yes? Well, this is a common experience both inside and outside the church, but it's frighteningly common inside the church. If you've grown up in a church, you were probably taught from very early on that it is one of the responsibilities that comes with being a Christian to serve, that Christians serve. We serve in the church, we serve outside the church. And this is why every Sunday, there are like legions of volunteers who are serving as kids volunteers who are helping out with uh, AV and worship leading. Uh, this is why during the week there are people who are serving as small group leaders. Uh, that, this is why people volunteer to bring food to those who have newborns uh, and to serve food at food pantries to the homeless. Um, this is why when Hurricane Harvey happened a few years ago, uh, you know, on the, ver on the front lines were many churches who organized groups of volunteers to do demo for people that some of them they didn't even know. 
serving is in the DNA of the church. It's, it's what we do. But joyful service, that's a whole other thing. Because it's easy to settle into joyless serving. Have you ever experienced joyless serving before? You know, serving that feels uh, obligatory, maybe emotionless or worse, kind of tainted by a sense of resentment. At Access, we don't want people to serve because they have to serve, because they feel guilt-tripped into serving. We want people to serve because they feel like they get to serve. And that at the end of their serving or while they're serving, to be able to say, honestly, my pleasure and to mean it. The second reason I think this topic is important, particularly now during the pandemic, is, you know, I don't know about you, but I have noticed that the amount of household chores and tasks, just the basic amount of things that has to get done each day has increased dramatically, you know, like twofold or threefold, right? Like many of us are eating at home a lot more right now. And that means uh, a lot more cooking and meal prep, a lot more washing dishes. Uh, all of that has increased and the load on uh, individuals and families has, has dramatically increased. Uh, I know for our oldest boys, uh, we gave them an expanded chore list that they have to do every day. And so Caleb and Caden, if you're watching this right now, I just want to let you know, I know it's not easy. Uh, and your dad and your, your mom and I uh, really appreciate you. We appreciate how you are serving our family. Um, we know it's tough. Um, and so with all the stress that is coming with this pandemic, right, trying to figure out work, working from home, um, schooling, homeschooling, all these different things, I wonder what our attitude has been like as we serve in this ever-growing mountain of not-so-glamorous tasks. What's your attitude been? You know, what's our attitude been? Uh, And by the way, uh, that question we asked earlier, uh, the chore um, that I don't mind doing so much, I actually like doing, is vacuuming um, our first floor. Uh, uh, It's kind of satisfying seeing stuff just get, you know, like debris on the ground get sucked up. Uh, But the thing I really dislike during this pandemic is needing to wipe down our groceries and take out. I just find it very tedious and annoying. (laughs) Uh, So that's, excuse me, that's just me. And I think what we need during this pandemic, during these times, is encouragement. What we need is inspiration. What we need is to be reminded of why we serve. And what I hope you'll take away from today's message is this, that we commit to joyful service because we serve a king who joyfully embraced the role of servant and calls us to embrace it as well. I'd like you to listen to the words uh, from Philippians 2, which is this uh, phenomenal passage that talks about Jesus and his servanthood. Let's read it together. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death 
even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This passage is so awesome, and it's so richly packed with uh, truth and theology. But most scholars believe that Paul was quoting a well-known hymn, um, a song that the early Christians sang about Christ that helped them crystallize some of the fundamental truth about him in a way that they could easily remember. And so did you notice, what do they emphasize in this song? They emphasize that Jesus, the supreme son of God, became a servant. That he who was equal to God, he who was and is God, humbled himself and gave everything, his very life, his privilege, his blood to serve us. To make a way for you and me to find our way back to God so that we could experience forgiveness and redemption and healing so that we could find life and life to the full. The phrase made himself nothing is a translation of the Greek word kanao, which literally means to empty. When we become servants, there is an emptying that takes place. We empty ourselves of our privilege, our position, our rights, our comfort. We take our resources, we let go of them. We pour them out for the good and blessing of others. We commit to joyful service because we serve a king who emptied himself of all the riches and privilege of deity, embracing the identity of a servant in order to serve you and me. This reminds me of the show Undercover Boss, where CEOs of companies go undercover as cashiers, waiters, and janitors in these multi-billion dollar companies that they lead in order to get an on-the-ground perspective of what their business is really like for the average employee and customer. My favorite part of the show is when the bosses review who they really are. And to a T, the employees are just blown away. They're totally shocked and surprised. Uh, In this particular episode, the pilot, the CEO of Waste Management, was right alongside them sorting trash and doing the garbage pickup routes. If we stop to consider the gravity of Philippians 2, of what it's truly saying, our minds should just literally be blown away every time as we fathom the humility, the love, the sacrifice that God willingly took on himself voluntarily in order to serve humanity. It should just blow us away. So this is who Jesus is, the creator of the universe and humble servant of humankind. But what about us? Does Jesus expect us to follow in his footsteps? Is his uh, rather radical uh, example of servanthood, is that something we're meant to emulate and embody in our own lives as Christ followers? Are we also called to see ourselves as servants? The fact is we are not really trained to aspire to be servants. 
I don't know of any parents who have looked, you know, who have taken their kids aside and said, hey, I think you'd be a really great server one day, right? Instead, we climb the corporate ladder of success in order to be the CEO, not the chief uh, servant officer. Even in the church world, uh, when a pastor is promoted, they're promoted to senior pastor, not a senior servant, right? We, we seek and aspire to titles and positions that come with and communicate success and prestige and status and power. We love success stories, not failure stories. Uh, we call shotguns so that we don't have to sit in the back of the car. Uh, it reminds me of a time when um, my son, oldest son and I, we were going on a Boy Scout camp and we were going to drive about 15 hours to Colorado. Um, and inside the 15 passenger van that we had, one of the youngest Boy Scouts was sitting in the, the passenger, the, the driver's side seat. And uh, I remember the adults, we had to be like, you know, kindly, you know, you can't sit there. That's for the adults. And even kids know where the good seats are. And in the second passage I want us to read, Jesus actually confronts this tendency of humans, of us, whether kids or adults, to want the good seats. Let's listen to this passage from Mark chapter 10. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Okay, so James and John are grown men, but in this instance, they're not acting their age. Basically, they're saying, hey, uh, can I ask you something? But you have to promise to say yes. Have you ever said that to someone, you know, like a, a parent, a spouse, a friend? Um, you know, it's kind of manipulative, right? But Jesus graciously plays along. He says, what do you want me to do for you? He asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. So to be seated at the side of Christ was to, to, was to take the seat of highest honor. Uh, this was shotgun in God's glorious kingdom. This was being uh, next to the CEO's office. This is part of taking part in the C-suite. This was getting the VIP access. Well, Jesus comes back and says to them, well, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? Try saying that three times fast. Well, we can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the 10 heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. You see, the disciples express what we are too embarrassed or we know better to ask. But that doesn't mean we don't secretly aspire to it or want it. Like James and John, we often want to be seen, recognized, and appreciated. Uh, Calvin commented that this narrative contains a bright mirror of human vanity. I would agree. Jesus sees inside their hearts. He sees inside their hearts and he corrects them. Jesus called together, called them together, and he said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. 
Jesus draws a line in the sand, a really clear line. And he says on this side of the line is a form of power, position, and authority that was unchecked, that was brutal and even terrifying. Living as subjects under the Roman Empire, Jesus' disciples were all too familiar with this kind of leadership. Because those in positions of power, they flaunted it. They used it to get their sway over people. And here on this side of the line, power was used to serve and protect self-interest. It was used to protect and serve their own self and their own agendas. And Jesus tells them, you know, that side may look tempting. You may be drawn to the privilege and to the perks that come with that, but don't be fooled. Don't don't be fooled. You have no business being on that side. That may be how they do things, but not so with you. Not so with you. Because that's not where I am. I'm on this other side. And on this side, we're going to do things really differently. On this other side, greatness takes the unexpected form of servanthood. Being first means taking the lowly position and being freed from the attachments to uh, prestige and status. On this other side, power is used in service of others. On this other side, you're going to watch as the Son of God uses His power to give His very own life away. And so in response to a selfish request to be seated in the places of honor, Jesus teaches them a completely new way of living, a servant way. You can imagine the disciples' faces dropping as they hear this. I don't think this is what they wanted to hear, but this is what they needed to hear. And I think it's what we need to hear as well. We commit to joyful service because we serve a God who joyfully embraced the role of servant and calls us to embrace it as well. So what does this mean for us? Well, three things. First, let's choose to see servanthood as something you are, not just something you do. Just as we learn to say, I am a beloved child of God, we also learn to say, I am a servant. When we see ourselves as servants, it prevents us from seeing certain tasks as beneath us and then begrudging them. You know, because if our thoughts are, I shouldn't have to wash the dishes, I assure you, it will be hard to wash the dishes with joy. If our thoughts are, I shouldn't have to deal with that person's requests, I assure you, it will be hard to respond with humility and love. When we see our identity as servants, it helps us take our eyes off of self and enables us to see the needs of other people around us. Uh, It frees us from needing to get the applause or the credit and enables us to look for the needs of other people. When we see our identity as servants and then someone asks us to do something, our first instinctive response is, no thanks, someone else can do it. Our first response is, okay, let me ask God, God, are you leading me to serve in this way? You and I are servants. The second thing is to seek to find joy in seeing others flourish as you serve. 
Seek to find joy in seeing others flourish as you serve. Um, you know, one of the rays of light for me during this pandemic has been that, you know, as a result of working from home a lot more, I'm interacting a lot more with my kids. Um, and it's not too uncommon. Uh, occasionally, one of the twins will run into my room while I'm working, bearing a smoothie in their hands. Now, they didn't make the smoothie. Grace made it. But they deliver it to me and they're bringing it to me. And uh, they just have so much delight as they give it to me. Uh, and of course I say to them, you know, Oh, thanks. Thanks a lot, Luke. Thanks a lot, Noah. Uh, and then they just like joyfully skip away. Uh, it's like pure joy. Their joy is simply in doing something kind for their daddy. And there's no other reward, but the gratitude I show to them. Uh, Hebrews 12, two says that for the joy set before him, Christ endured the cross. I imagine that for Jesus, it was the joy of seeing his, father ple- his father's pleasure in him. It was the joy of imagining and seeing the billions upon billions of people who would have their lives transformed and saved and changed. That was enough motivation for Jesus to endure the cross. Pure and selfish joy enables us to find satisfaction in seeing others' needs met. The third thing is to have a servant mindset in all the various roles that we have. I don't think that Jesus meant that his followers should not be in positions of authority or leadership. Far from it. God knows we need leaders. We need godly leaders and politicians and executives to see themselves as servants. But I do firmly believe that he taught his disciples to be wary of seeking these for the wrong reasons. And that when we are given these roles of leadership or authority, that we must occupy them with a servant's mindset. Oh, what a difference it makes when a head of a company, presidents and bosses see themselves as servants. What a difference it makes when, um, you know, teachers and doctors and engineers and lawyers uh, and waiters and waitresses see themselves as servants. What a difference it makes when, you know, uh, parents, when husbands and wives and friends see themselves as servants. What a difference it makes when classmates and students see themselves as servants. What a difference it makes in our work when we don't just see ourselves as employees, but as servants. And what a difference it makes in the church when we don't simply see ourselves as volunteers, but as joyful servants. At Access, I see us growing in this value of joyful service. Will Chen, I see how you joyfully serve in AV. Uh, And I remember several months ago when we were first doing uh, our first live stream, even though you were sick, you willingly and joyfully called in to guide us through the whole process to make sure that everything went smoothly. Tiffany and Daisy, I appreciate how every Sunday morning you welcome our kids with a smile uh, and you are joyfully serving and assisting Pastor Grace and creating a space for our children to continue to learn about God and to understand the Bible. Uh, Howard, Dave Tien, David Yu, and Albert, uh, I appreciate how you joyfully served as discussion leaders for our men's online group. Key and Brian, I appreciate how you joyfully serve 
our friends, our homeless friends at Herman Park. How year after year, and even during this pandemic, you continue to go out there to serve and to love them joyfully. I know there are so many more stories and individuals in our community who are serving joyfully. And if I didn't call you by name today, I hope that you know that Jesus knows. Jesus sees you. And that you would know that he says to you, well done, good and faithful servant. Access during this pandemic, and even when it's all over, may we be a church, may we be people committed to joyful service because we serve a king and a God who embraced the role of servant and calls us to embrace it as well. Let's take some time now to reflect on what the Spirit might be saying to us. I'd like to just give us some space to quietly reflect on this. Let's do that now. Let's say our sending prayer together. Loving God, through all our years, let the church be a community where we learn about love and practice it, where we envision peace and work to build it, where we meet partners in faith who wish to abandon everything that cheapens our discipleship, where we discover gifts and offer them. May your spirit guide us towards joy and generosity. In Jesus' name, in the way of Jesus, amen. So at this time, we are going to be taking a online communion together for the first time via Zoom. And so please look for the link and join us on Zoom as we take communion together.